Good morning. Welcome to the fourth week of a series called Unseen, where we're talking about this battle that takes place just outside the realm of where we can see. And you don't have to look far to find that battle. Maybe you just have to look in your house or definitely when you turn on the TV. If you're going to watch the news today, you're going to see some battles taking place. The next few days, you probably won't be able to watch the news without seeing this political battle being played out before our eyes. And of course, it's a battle because the other guy's an idiot, right? That's what everybody thinks. But the battle goes way deeper than political party. The battle goes way deeper than the person in your home or the person you work for or the person at school or the person that you have a disagreement with. In fact, the battle that we really fight is unseen. The apostle Paul wrote some words in the first century to a church in a town called Ephesus. And he tells them, and he gives them perspective about the real battle. And it's recorded in the book of Ephesians chapter six, beginning at verse 10, when he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about this battle and defined what this battle is. If you've missed any of this series, please go online, download the podcast and listen, because we talk to you about what, what is this battle between good and evil, this unseen, this, this battle between spiritual forces, because what's at stake is the souls of people. We also talked about the origin of evil itself through a being called Satan who used to be in heaven with God, but through his rebellion and refusing to submit to God was hurled from heaven. And he knows he's lost. He knows he'll never be there again. So his job is to take as many people to hell with him as possible. And then those of us who are already in the family of God, his job is to make our lives hell while we're on earth. And he sometimes does a very good job at that. Pulling people in to darkness. Pulling people who are living in the light into darkness. Helping people think less of themselves. Making people feel like they're defeated and they can't take another step. But God provides something for us that helps us win this battle. And that is his Holy Spirit. And how God's Holy Spirit literally comes to live in the hearts and lives of everyone who makes a decision to submit their lives to Christ and receive the forgiveness that God offers and step into the family of God. And through his Holy Spirit, we are giving peace and power that we wouldn't have otherwise. So that's how this spiritual battle is played out between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And we're in the middle being pulled back and forth and back and forth. I read a news article the other day about a soldier who had come home from Afghanistan and he wrote a letter to the manufacturer of his body armor because of, because of that body armor, his life was saved. He was shot multiple times in the chest, but he lived because he had on this armor. So he wrote a letter to the manufacturer saying, thank you for this armor Had you never invented it, had had you never produced it, I wouldn't be alive today. I would be coming home in a box instead of sitting on a plane going home to see my family. 
Well, the Apostle Paul tells us how to fight this battle that we all have to fight. This unseen battle. And he gives us some insight on how we should fight the battle. And that is by wearing God's armor. And he talks about it in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 beginning at verse 13. Now, the audience that he's talking to are people who are part of this church in this town called Ephesus. These are all people who have accepted the message of Christ. And he says, here's the battle. Now, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. So he's comparing our battle to that of a Roman soldier. And he didn't just pick Roman soldier out of the air. Paul wrote this letter and many of the other letters you read about, read through in the New Testament while he was under arrest, while he was in jail. In this case, while he was under house arrest in Rome. And so he's writing this letter to these fellow followers of Christ, telling them, hey, take heart. There is a battle going on, but it's a battle that you can win. And I can just imagine he's looking out the window and he sees a soldier standing there, a Roman soldier. And he begins to compare our spiritual battle and our spiritual armor to that of this Roman soldier. And he says it like this. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He's explaining this is God's armor because not if you go through difficult times, if evil tempts you, if evil comes into your life. He doesn't say if this happens, be ready. He's saying when evil comes for you and to influence you like he does all of us, he's saying be ready to stand firm. And Paul would have known about evil. He would have known about persecution. Sometimes if you're watching TV late at night, maybe flipping through the channels, you'll come across some guy on a stage with thousands of people in the audience. And he's saying, if you just accept Jesus and send me some money, nothing bad will ever happen in your life. And you're going to get the car you always wanted and the financial freedom you always wanted. And, and you're going to get the health you always wanted just because God loves you that much. And that's what you're going to get. And it's going to be rainbows and puppies from here on out for you. If you just give your life to Jesus, that is a lie. Turn the channel. That comes from the pits of hell because Paul's life is anything but rainbows and puppies. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, In this world, you will have trouble. And look at the Apostle Paul's life and you can see that trouble played out. But you don't have to lose. You can still win the battle. This armor, like it would help a Roman soldier to fight and to stand, this spiritual armor he's talking about will help us stand. See, evil's goal is to pull me from the side of God, from the side of good into evil. Now, people who have already accepted the message of Christ, evil, Satan, the deceiver, is not powerful enough to snatch anyone from the graces of God once they've accepted Christ and say, I'm now a 
follower of Jesus. He can't pull you out. He can't take you away. But what he can do is make your life hell. He can tempt you. He can, he can allow and cause very difficult circumstances in your life. And maybe because of the struggles that you deal with, he can pull you in to darkness where you are not enjoying the life that God has meant for you. And Paul says, you need to be careful and put on the armor of God so you can stand against this. And so he says, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Well, why, why is truth compared to a belt? Well, for a soldier, or for Batman, for that matter, you know, Batman is not a real superhero, just so you know. He, he's just a regular guy with a lot of cool gadgets. He can't fly, he can't, you know, bend stuff with his bare hands, he can't do that. But he's got a belt with all these cool gadgets that gets him out of trouble, that helps capture the bad guys, that gets his car or boat to come to where he is. But just imagine Batman without all those gadgets, he's just a regular guy. And whatever his enemy is, his nemesis is, can get him if he doesn't have all of his cool gadgets. Well, a Roman soldier had this belt around him. Not only did this belt have loops in it that would hold a sword or spear or, or a little sharp knife. Not only did that happen, it also held up this tunic. You would have this tunic from head to toe that kind of looked like a dress. You know, for, to us today, it would look like he had on a dress. But he had this belt. And then when he would get ready to go into battle, he would get that and he would stuff it down in that belt and tighten it up. Because, you know, a guy can't fight in a dress. And so it'd be tough. And so he stuffs it all in his belt. And, and that's where if you ever read it, like an ancient translation, like the King James, it says that's, that's what a soldier does when he girds his loins. I was like, I can't wait. To, I told Rob, I can't wait to say gird your loins in church. That sounds funny. <laughs> but that's what he's talking about. He, girding his loins meant that he was taking this, this uh, dress, what it looked like, on his tunic. And he was stuffing it down in this belt, tightening it up so he could fight, so he could move around, so he could stand against evil. And a loss of his belt would mean certain defeat. And so Paul takes truth and compares it to the belt that holds everything together for the soldier. Well, what's the truth? Well, truth is not an it. Truth is a he. Truth is a person. Jesus declared himself to be truth. In the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So what he's saying is, I am the standard. I am the measurement by which you judge. I am consistent. I am the very definition of truth. So when I have the belt of truth buckled around my waist that holds everything together, that means that I have Christ, that I have him in my life who holds everything together. I have this standard outside of myself that helps me determine courses of action in life and helps me know how to fight the battle when I start to think it's people around me, but I have to realize it's really this spiritual battle and I have this belt of truth, this this Jesus around me that holds everything together. Now, in our culture, there are two big enemies of truth. The first one is relativism. Relativism simply is the assumption that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Now, people who believe in relativism say that relativism is absolutely true, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. 
It's absolutely true that there's no such thing as absolute truth. It doesn't make any sense. But the Barna Group, you can go to Barna.org and read this. They just, they surveyed a bunch of adults. And 63% of the adults said that truth was dependent and relative to the circumstances. And then they surveyed teenagers and teenagers said, 83% of teenagers, in fact, said that truth was relative to the circumstances. So what might be true for this situation and this circumstance? Well, it's not true for this one because that's a whole different deal. So truth just has this way of just meandering and being and moving and, and reshaping and changing. That's relativism. Then the other enemy of truth is subjectivism, which says that I, the subject, have the right to determine what is true and right and wrong for me without anything being submitted to judgment outside of myself. In other words, if it feels good, then do it. And it must be true for you. As long as you're sincere, as long as you don't hurt anybody, it's true for you. That's relativism. And over 50% of evangelical Christians who were asked said that they believed that truth was whatever felt right to the person making the decision. Now, think about how ridiculous that is. Have you ever believed with all of your heart that something was one way but found out later it was another? If you said no, have you ever thought you were in love but found out later you weren't? I mean, have you ever thought, oh, he's perfect, he's wonderful. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's like, he's an idiot. I must, I must have been, I must have had a bad dinner or something last night. I don't know what I was thinking. So on one hand, you can feel like, oh, I'm so in love. This person is perfect. They're wonderful for me. And a little while later, you think, how in the world did I ever think that? So you can't trust you. You can't, I mean, I change in the course of a day sometimes. So if I'm going to rely on me for truth... And to be the standard, I'm in trouble. See, relativism and subjectivism will not hold me together. They won't help me when times are down. And if the enemy can just get us confused about truth, we can't be protected by it. Because what I believe determines how I behave. And if the enemy can get us to be unsure about truth, well, then how can the truth protect us the way Paul is talking about? When I'm confused about truth, it's easy to believe a lie. When I'm confused about what's true, when I'm confused about who I am as a follower of Christ, when I'm confused about that or I don't understand that, it's easy to start to believe the lies that... I'm worthless. See, that's what the evil one tries to tell us. You're worthless. But the truth is, you're not. And maybe you grew up in a home or work at a place where the only words spoken to you are words of criticism and words that make you feel worthless and words that make you start to believe, well, maybe I really don't have anything to offer. Those are all lies. And if we're not held together with this belt of truth, we will start to believe those things about ourselves. You do have this amazing grace inside of you that covers all of your life if you're a follower of Christ. You are not a failure. 
You can not consistently mess up. You can get there. You're worth something. Those are words of truth that come from the word of God. But the evil one wants to bind us up and wants to make us believe the lies that he tries to tell us. Here's what Jesus said about the truth. Here's what the standard bearer said. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from mistakes, free from the tragedies that happen in your life, free from what people might say about you or do to you, free from the inadequacies that you feel. Jesus said, truth will set you free. Truth is greater than your feelings. It's greater than the way you feel. Truth helps you with temptation. When you believe the truth that you are created special and you are created strong and you are created to be able to stand up against the evil one, when you put this belt of truth, this relationship with Christ around you that holds everything together, when you believe that, it's easier to say no to temptation. And I have watched many people deal with addiction year after year after year, and then come to the realization of who they are in Christ. And all of a sudden, it starts to get easier to say no to temptation. Jesus is that glue that allows us to live free. He's, he's the glue, he's the truth that helps us take steps in times of grief, forgiveness in times of failure, And helps us find hope in times of pain. So this belt of truth around our waist is meant to be the person of Christ that holds our lives together. The next item of armor Paul talks about is also in verse 14 when he says, Around with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So the belt of truth around your waist and then the breastplate of righteousness in place. A Roman soldier would have had this plate, this armor over the front and the back of his, of his torso that was made out of leather and metal and it was fashioned to, to kind of fit the shape of the guy. And then that was fastened together with the belt. But he wore that even though it was heavy. He wore that so when he got into battle, into close combat, and somebody's trying to get at him with a spear, or somebody's trying to get at him with a small knife, it would protect his body. It would protect his organs. Specifically, it would protect his heart. And no soldier would dream of going into battle without his breastplate. He wouldn't make it through the smallest of fights. And that's what righteousness does for us. So Paul's comparing the protection that comes from this armor, this breastplate that protects the the soldier's organs. And he's saying that's what righteousness does for your heart. Because when I fail to guard my heart, I can get into trouble. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. In the Bible, when you read about the heart, there was this belief, and it was true, that the heart was the place that was the center of emotions. It was 
where all the feelings originated. It was the center of moods and passions. And so when Jesus came onto the scene, people had essentially forgotten that. They had started to think that the way God was pleased with them was because they obeyed certain rules the right way and they checked it all off and then that made them okay. And Jesus comes onto the scene and says, you've heard it said this, but I say that. And if you want to read about all that, it's in the books of, book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus is telling these people who thought that they were right because they were not doing these things externally, he got right to the heart of the matter. And he said, you've heard that it was said, don't murder. And he goes on to say, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't even harbor anger and bitterness in your heart against other people. He's saying, that's murder. Then he says, you heard that it was said, don't lust. So people could say, well, I I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. And he said, you know, lust takes place, not externally, but internally. So he said, don't be looking at people lustfully. And he got right to the heart of the matter. See, the evil one knows if he can just get into our hearts, He can pull us away from the life that God has for us. If he can just turn our hearts from God's desire for our lives to his desire for our lives, then he can get us moving in his direction. And no, he can't take our salvation away from us, but he can sure make our lives difficult. And he can sure damage us. I sat with a friend a few years ago who had made a horrible mistake in his life. He had committed the ultimate act of betrayal. And as he sat with me, he said, what do I do? And I said, and my, my question to him was, what are you thinking? What, what was going through your mind? And his exact quote was, I let myself go there in my heart first. And if I could go back, he said, and relive the last period of my life, I would have stopped it there. I would have stopped it in my heart because most of the things we do that are against God's will for our lives on the outside, we thought about it first on the inside. I mean, every bad thing I did as a kid, I didn't find myself in the middle of bad stuff and go, well, how did I get here? How in the world did that happen? It happened because I thought about it first. It happens for you because you think about it first. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, one of Jesus's disciples, Judas, betrayed him. And turned him over to be crucified. And he thought about it first in his heart. Before he ever did it on the outside. So we need to guard our hearts. Now how does the righteousness of God. Guard our hearts. When you see the word righteousness in scripture. There's a couple of different ways that it can be translated. There is the righteousness that comes to all who accept the message of Christ. Rely on God for their sins to be forgiven. And when you do that, then the righteousness of Christ, which means perfect standing before God, is applied to our souls. And we are righteous. We are right. When God sees us, he sees Jesus. When he sees us, he sees a sinless Jesus. So in that sense, righteousness comes to all who accept Christ. But on another level, we are also becoming more like Christ because I don't know about you, but 20 some years ago when I accepted Christ, it was, my life didn't go absolutely perfect after that. I still made mistakes. 
And you probably have too. So while I'm righteous in God's eyes, I'm also becoming more like Christ as I live, as we live out this battle on earth that tries to take away the joy of the Lord that should be in all of us, but it's pulled away because of evil. In fact, if you read some other translations of the Bible, I'm reading from the NIV, but some other translations translate instead of righteousness being your breastplate, it says the breastplate of integrity, the breastplate of doing the right thing. And integrity has to do with what's on the inside. And as my integrity falls, my heart is vulnerable to Satan's attacks. And as I make decisions to live out of the light and step closer to the darkness, my heart is vulnerable to not being able to enjoy the full life that God has for me. That's how people who know Christ and are saved can find themselves living a sinful life. Because they just let their integrity fall. And they just say yes to whatever they feel like doing. Or they have this thought in their heart and they let it go on the outside. So you have to be careful where you allow your heart to go. So the righteousness of Christ, the integrity of Christ guards my heart. And his truth, like a belt buckled around my waist that holds everything together. His truth brings me freedom. And then Paul says... And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers had to be ready to fight at all times. They didn't have drones going over the enemy trying to see when they were going to attack. The way they knew they were being attacked was probably when the spear was coming through their tent. So they had to be ready at all times. They had to be ready to run towards danger and fight at any time. Or retreat when it was time to retreat. And the way they did that was with their feet and they would not have had the best of shoes. In fact, one of the greatest strategies of war for the Roman army was to go into the fields where the enemy would be walking or onto the roads where the enemy would be walking. And they would bury these sticks that were pointed at the top, really sharp like arrows. And they would bury them about that far above the ground. And then when the armies came marching through, they would step on those sticks and it would injure their feet. And so it would give the Roman army an advantage in the battle that was about to take place. So what Paul is telling us is be ready to fight. Just like a Roman soldier has to be ready at all times to fight. He's saying, be ready. It's hard to be ready for us though. Because don't we do a good job of putting things off? Anybody a procrastinator besides me? Let's tell the truth, we're in church. I mean, we are. I mean, we do. We, we procrastinate. I'm horrible at it. By my bed, in our bedroom, is a stack of books. When you're a pastor, you get some nice things. And one of the nice things we get is we get books sent to us from publishers or authors. And their hopes are that you, we read the books and then we stand up and say, you got to read this book, go to Amazon, order it. That's what they're hoping. So when I get them, I read the cover and I put it by my bed and I think I'm going to get to that. And I can honestly say that I've read every cover of a book that's been sent to me. And so there's a stack of them by my bed and almost every night I'll think I need to, I need to, I need to get into that. I need to start reading that. I'll get to that eventually. I'll get to that. 
I went, I was washing my car not too long ago, about a month ago. And I was looking on the license plates. I was going back to back of the car, back on the back of my car. And it said eight, 12. And I was like, Oh, I need to get my license renewed. So I go to get the inspection done. Cause you got to do that now to get your license renewed. So I go to get the inspection done. It failed inspection. And so it only costs 450 bucks, you know, to get the, get it to pass inspection. So I was like, I've, I've driven two months already. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. I'll just put it off. So I just keep putting it off and putting it off. Now I have a friend who's a police officer. And if you're here, please don't follow me home. Okay. But I'll get to it. I just keep putting it off. We're really good at putting things off. When you come to church, we're always saying, you need to read your Bible. You you need to get in a group and get with people outside of here on Sunday morning. Church is about so much more than this hour that you show up. And we stay on that and stay on that because people say, I'll get to that. I'll get in a group. I didn't like the last one, so I'll just wait a while and I'll get in a group. Or, or I'll start reading my Bible eventually. I'll get to that. And we put it off and put it off and put it off. And Paul is saying, be ready. Keep yourself ready. Because if something difficult comes into your life, a tragedy that could come in any of our lives at any time, and you're not surrounded relationally by people who think about Jesus, who have him in their lives, It is going to be much harder to weather a storm in life without a group of people around you who share your faith. That's why we want people, one of the reasons why we want people to be in relationship. And as temptation comes your way, one of the best ways to overcome temptation is to know what God's word says about you. It will help you fight. And God wants me to stay ready to fight at any time. It's clear the Bible tells us that our enemy... In fact, it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because temptation can come to you at any moment, at any time. Cindy and I used to live in Louisiana and every time a family member, we lived in Baton Rouge and when a family member would come, they'd want to go to New Orleans. They'd want to see Bourbon Street. And we would always say, it ain't much. Trust me, but we would go. And I can remember my brother and his wife, my nephew, they were all there. My nephew was about 10 years old at the time and we're walking down Bourbon Street and I'm just, I'm saying, Blake, come on. I'm holding his hand. Come on, come on. And he's just like really going slow. And I realize in the window of these stores, They're not stores in the window of these establishments are pictures of naked women. It was hustler week on bourbon street and we're walking and my nephew, you know, he's 10. He's just like, Hey, this is nice. I love, I want to live here. And I was like, we got, I told my brother, I was like, Hey, we need to go the other direction on bourbon street. Anytime, anytime. And so I had a choice. Am I going to, you know, take a look to see what he's looking at or are we going to, are we going to get out of here? And we got out of there. So Paul is saying, have your feet ready with the gospel of peace at any time. Be ready. What is the gospel of peace? The word gospel just means good news. The gospel of peace, the, the, the good news of peace, the good news of grace, the good news of Christ. Those all mean the same thing. And he's saying, You need to understand that you need to be ready 
to walk through anything you have to, to win this battle. And even if it's something that's hurtful, it's something that's a tragedy, he's saying this gospel of peace will keep your feet strong, will allow you to walk through anything. So keep that around your feet. So when you have to walk through difficult times in life, the evil one won't defeat you. I have a confession to make. My family and I uh, watch the X factor and American idol. We do. Um, we watch it almost every year. We sit there and, 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 you know, root for whoever we like And X factor. If you don't know what it is, it's just another version of American idol where people sing and get voted off. And every time when people get voted off or kicked off by a judge, they always say something like you have not heard the last of me. Just watch. I'll be back. Just watch the news headlines for me because I will be back. You haven't heard me for the last time. And Paul is giving us this suit of armor that we can wear. So when we're going through a difficult time, when we feel temptation coming our way and being pulled into the life that God did not have planned for us, we can look into the face of evil and say, you have not heard the last of me. I've got this belt of truth, Christ around me that holds everything together. I've got this breastplate of integrity that keeps my heart pure and clear of the arrows of the enemy. And I've got this gospel of peace that I walk in that will help me endure anything. If you don't have those pieces of armor, just come out by the info booth or down here. You can talk to me or Rob, our site pastor here. And we'd love to tell you how you can have those in your life. And if you are a follower of Christ, live like you have that armor on you and you can win the unseen battle. Let's pray. God, thank you for these words that come from a man that lived 2,000 years ago, but they're words of yours. And God, I pray for the people who right now don't feel like they're winning. May they be able to take steps to walk in your grace and your truth and your love. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.